Ezekiel 31, we'll be looking at, excuse me, Ezekiel, Exodus. Nice books, but hardly interchangeable. Uh, Exodus 31, and we'll be in Luke 6 a little bit later. We're kind of, I don't know, winding down, or there's a crescendo of uh, the last couple weeks of talking about heaven, uh, dreams fulfilled in heaven. Uh, this is obviously assuming this is a dream you want. Uh, this is night nightmares fulfilled in heaven. This is something that, uh, you know, things that we maybe want now and can't nev never were able to accomplish if you're older in life or maybe not make it if you're younger. The idea of uh, what do we do here, uh, what will carry over, what might it look like, what opportunities will we have in the new heaven in the new earth, this is obviously uh, assuming that you're going to be there. Always remember that the main thing uh, is that you know that you're secure in Christ uh, by your faith in his death and uh, and his resurrection. So always remember that. Um, again, I know I kind of kiddingly talk about these charts, uh, but that it is a good thing to, to use. I mean, you can, I remember when I was in uh, Colorado with some friends years ago, we're all sitting around. I think we were eating buffalo, seriously. Uh, uh, well, it was hamburger. It wasn't like just like a big buffalo leg. Um, but uh, the uh, a guy came up to us and had kind of something he'd drawn up on a napkin. And he said, and he talked about how, you know, you know, who are you and what are you guys doing? And then eventually did a really good job of just asking us about spiritual things. And, you know, w we were all believers anyway, but it was interesting. So we had actually asked him to sit down and, and, and talk to us a little bit about uh, wh why he was doing this and how he, his method and all that kind of stuff. So it was kind of cool, different ways he was using. You've probably seen it. It's a, uh, you, you draw kind of a cliff and then you're on it and then there's a, another place over here. That, and he put, you know, this is eternal life in heaven. And then, and then he had drawn... A, a line of a bridge and then put another line through it, which was the cross. You know, he did it all on a napkin and he just done it with somebody. It was really neat, I thought, but I just thought, um, I've actually used that chart. I have it on my phone, which makes it even, if you want it, I can put it on, well, send it to you. You can put it on your own phone. But as to start, because it starts out when, when you die. Isn't that a nice thing to get started with in a dinner party? You know, hi, my name's Brian. When you die, you know, you got to be careful with that. But different ways to get people to get into into spiritual conversations if you can. And you don't always have, Jesus didn't get everybody to the foot of the cross in every conversation. You don't either. Uh, but dif different ways. If the chart doesn't work, use your own method. Um, but when you think about the whole idea of that, his illustration was that there's another place. And I think most people know that. Very few people, there are, they're out there, you know, you know, blatant atheists that just don't think there's anything left after this, but it, most people have this idea, you know, we, we don't have that verse up there, but in Ecclesiastes it says God has written eternity in our hearts, and that's true of everybody who's an image bearer, so they, everybody kind of looks at that and says, well, there's something over there, I'd like to be there, how do I get there, and, and we obviously know that through the gospel, through Christ, but then what do I do when I'm there, and it's been kind of what we've been talking about here, craftsmanship, you know, you think about that, um, if you're we we're talking about the if gathering with the women and the, I guess we're calling it right now, that'll stick, but the why gathering for the men. Um, you know, sometimes what, it, it doesn't have to be a men-women thing, but people sometimes struggle with 
what am I doing here? How is that, how's it going to work in the new heaven? What, what does God value? And if you go to uh, Exodus 31, this is the, the making of the tabernacle, which is the precursor to the, the tent version of the temple. And the first six verses are, are kind of kind of interesting. So this is when the Lord, you know, if you see capital L-O-R-D, it's always Yahweh. Uh, the Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. This is the first time in the Bible we hear that. I'm not saying that Abraham wasn't, or that's not really the point. I mean, they may have been, but this is the first time it's overtly said. I filled him with the Spirit of God. So you know this guy's going to be a preacher, right? Because, you know, we get the red phone and the whole thing. Right? We're very much closer to God than all you, right? Kind of looking at me, it's like, some people think that. I don't know where that comes from. But, but, the, but, but what is he going to do with the Spirit of God? You know, because we get this idea, it's out there. And, you know, if you, if you really want to follow Jesus, you've got to go to the ministry or the mission field. Um, do you? You know, I mean, that's good. We've got people who do that. I'm glad we do. But with ability and intelligence, that's always nice, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood to work in every craft. Now, I, most people would not think that's what the Spirit of God would fill somebody to do. Um, but we've talked about that. I mean, we talked last week about music, about the arts, about uh, uh, different... This, this is kind of that way. God is going to fill this guy. Now, he probably already had some ability, uh, but he's going to... This is what, how important craftsmanship is to God. He's going to have the Spirit help this guy. And then I've appointed Oeliab, the son of Ahamach of the tribe of Dan, and I have given to all able men ability, and they may make all that I command you. So he's in, and then the rest of this is, you know, the different things they're going to make and the intricacy that's in there. So, you know, you, you think about that in this life, you know, what is it I'm doing in my trade that is going to be useful in the new heaven and the new earth. I always thought that there are certain ones that will go away. Um, I don't know why this came to mind, but, you know, like doctors. Do you need doctors in the new heaven and the new earth? I always thought no, but last night I was thinking about that, and I'm like, well, you know, we aren't going to die from doing something stupid, but we might get hurt. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I guess we'll, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, when we're all there, let's talk about it then, because that's probably no more. But right now, it's just kind of interesting. I don't know which ones will, will, but we we get this idea, and I think that's a wrong idea that we get to the new heaven and the new earth, and that everything it's, it's just like you know a genie's just popping things in all the time. It, it never says that. As if if work is a four-letter word. You know what I mean by that, right? It's bad. It's not bad. Parts of it are. But this is good. I mean, do you think that God is, is honored by these guys making this stuff? I mean, I think so. So why wouldn't he be, wh why wouldn't he be honored by stuff that's made in the, in the new heaven or even now? And 
the difference will be in, in what's doing. You, I've got, you know, what will honor God? That's the key. If it honors God, it's probably something that's going to continue. And technology, machinery, that can all honor God. You know, you get this a lot. And, and, and in this world, it's true. Um, the internet is blank. What would you say? I mean, there's bad, good, annoying, fun. You know, it kind of depends on what you use it for, right? That's where we, we really have to be careful. You know, technology can be great. Um, so I, I think we, tr we tend to take it and say, what's well, all bad, you know? Uh, this is, you know, I'm kind of in the middle of, of the generation here, but you, it seems like my, the, the generation older than me looks at technology and is like, those kids are on those phones all the time. And they say it just like that. But 90% of the time when a phone goes off in worship, it's always an old person. <laughs> Just saying. I, I think when you have a phone, you, I assume you some of them have right now. Why do you have it? You probably have it because you're reading along with me in Exodus 31. That's great. I got one too. It's just a bigger version of a phone. It's okay to have this. Now, it could be bad. You know, at one time, I know the statistics was you know, almost 40% of websites were pornographic. Well, that would be the bad side. You know, again, it's not the technology that's a problem. You know, you think about even craftsmanship. You know, there's supposed to be trumpets and, and harps, and people make trumpets and harps now. Have you ever seen anybody play a harp? I know you guys are musical. I, we had a, a lady that uh, was a music uh, teacher at University of Texas. And when I was in Austin, she would once in a while come in one of our services and play the harp. And it is quite quite a sound. Uh, and it and there's there's like a bajillion strings on there. There's no frets. I don't know how the heck she plays it, but it was very good. But I, w I remember looking at it once and just seeing the intricacy. And these things are thousands and thousands of dollars. Well, what kind of harp are you going to get in heaven? You know, is it going to be worse? Or is it like, well, no, the, the harp will have a, uh, like a player's harp, like a player's piano? Or is there something, and we've got some musicians here, is, is there something about playing the musical instrument that actually is enjoyable? You know, I, I, I think maybe. Um, or singing in your own voice. Is, is it like, would you just want to, some, some of us, like me, like to listen to, to music, but something that when you've got that talent to, to do that. And even technology, you know, I kind of put that, you know, I think we're on the iPhone 14, am I right? So I'm, you want to guess what's next? What about the iPhone infinity? That's what you get in heaven. It, will, we ha will we have those? Will we have technology? How's that all going to work? Well, if it honors God, maybe. You know, and I'm not saying everybody that makes an iPhone or a harp or a trumpet is trying to honor God, but in the new heaven and new earth, we will, um, if that's something that carries over. Colossians 3 kind of sums it up for us. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. You know, and that's hard to do. It's easy when you're doing a job you like. This is harder when you're doing a job you don't like. I mean, as a kid, I, I enjoyed, we had the square bales back then, and not those, I never was able to lift the big ones. Um, but that, 
and walking beans, I thought, I love that. You know, just weed here, weed there. You don't do that anymore. Tell your kids what that was if you get it. I hated detasseling corn. It was just hot, and it was just cutting, and I just never liked it. But you did the best you could because, I, and I remember kind of, you know, the verse, it's like you're trying to do the best you can. Why? Because this is fun? No, I hate it. <laughs> and $3 an hour, which back then wasn't bad. But again, work is, it's harder, and it's easy to say. If you, if you like your job, that's easy. But if you don't, uh, it, it, it's working for the Lord and, and hoping. And you, I, I'd love to say, while well, the foreman of Wilson Feeds came up to me and said, you are such a wonderful worker. You must be working for the Lord. Tell me more about Jesus. More like writer, get over there. You've missed one. You know, it's just, yeah. it, it, that's the, the, you know, it's not, a, but again, if you're doing it, are you doing it for him or the Lord? You know, do the best you can. And I'm not saying I was the best at it. You know, I'm not saying, oh yeah, when I was 14 years old, I was working the, working the fields and detasseling corn because I read Colossians 3. No, but it get, it's a good one to have in the background. So when you think about those, you know, what about travel? You know, we need travel agents. Airplanes, scooters, cars. Well, we travel like Jesus. You know, this is, a, this is one of those metaphysical questions, they call it. And here's a few verses. If you remember, uh, eight days later, this is when Thomas wasn't there eight days before, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. So people kind of tried to interpret this way and say, well, the doors were locked, and he, he picked the lock or something. Well, I, I, whatever. Don't, well, when you read this, do you think, what do you think happened? Jesus just appeared, right? Now, this was his resurrected body. Uh, we, got, we had this Easter, you know, walk to Emmaus. They're walking to Emmaus. He's talking with them. They get to the place, which was Emmaus, and they eat together, and he breaks the bread, and then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. So that was a little harder to try to, you know, make it natural. Um, so you have this, So and people have said, well, will our bodies be like that? Well, there's one thing you have to remember. Um, this is Jesus. And another thing you should be remember is you're not Jesus. Uh, so uh, we don't know. You have to be careful with this guy. But we do have one other, and we just had this a few weeks ago in our Acts study on, on Wednesday night. This was when the Philip and the Ethiopian official, uh, when they came up out of the water after he had baptized him, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. And most people, it's a, he, he just kind of got taken in about 35 miles north, which... Uh, that would have been easier. I went up to Spencer yesterday. That would have been much easier if I just kind of went, you know, beam me over, Scotty, or whatever. When the, I, I, do you have you ever thought about that? Is it going to work that way? Can we get places quicker? Can we transport from one place to the other? Um, I think it's interesting to think about. What about, you know, we had that picture with new galaxies. Can we, uh, I, this is, a, uh, you know, doing all this exploration that we want to do. Could we do that? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but it's, there's possible. Just because you're not Jesus doesn't mean you won't get the disappearing thing. It would make football a lot different. You know, how some of those, if you see, you know, some of these running backs, you know, swivel hips, you know, they can get out of the way. It's like, well, what if he just disappeared? 
That would make it a lot easier, wouldn't it? Make it harder for the tacklers. So, so I don't know on that. I do think the, the, the exploration is possible. You get in Second Peter, and, and we've had this a lot. Uh, it's not only in Second Peter, it's in Isaiah. We see this certainly in the book of Revelation. But we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. He has promised a world filled with God's right. So new heavens, plural, and a new earth. Well, we already know the new earth and the new heaven are the same place. So there's another place here. The new heavens. You know, the heavens declare the glory of God. The idea of new universes and all that. Maybe he'll create even more. I don't know how, how that all works. Can we, will there be more places to explore? And the, of course, the question you're all asking, and it's the next one on the list, Will we find E.T.? How do you remember that movie? What was the, what was the main line? E.T., go home. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a classic movie. But I, I, I love that. It's so good because isn't that what we're talking about? This is home. This is home for you. If you feel like you, you, this world is not the one you were created for, you weren't. And that's why there's always going to be a little... A little anxiousness with this world because it doesn't give us everything. Uh, it gives us some things. I mean, you know, today, you know, good, good music, adequate preaching. I mean, that's some good stuff. But eventually, you're gonna get more things, and you'll you'll be home. I think you know th this will be home finally. You know, you go to a funeral. We sometimes say that they went home. I I think that's a great way to put it. You were not created to, to live your whole existence here. Have you figured that out yet? And it is kind of silly sometimes. And I do the same thing. You worry about the next 10 minutes, and then sometimes we worry about the next hour, and then, of course, maybe the rest of the day, and then the week, and then... And Jesus keeps saying, you know, Matthew 6 and other places, why do you worry about today? <laughs> For today's troubles will take care of themselves. You know, that's, that's always in the background. So will we find E.T.? Have you ever thought about that? Are th is it possible, and this is the way I like to put it, that there are sentient beings like humans on other planets right now? I suppose it's possible. We've all seen Star Wars, right? Um, is it probable? Well, at this point, no, because we haven't been able to do that. Uh, there's a movie that I think I've, I've mentioned this one, and I'm, I, I want to be careful with some of the movies because I'm not saying the worldview and some of the scenes are all perfect. So, you know, be smart about these. But there was a, there was a movie called Contact, you know, Jodie Foster. Oh, that was a good movie uh, about SETI. You know what SETI is? It's the opposite of Standy. No, it's not. Um, SETI, Search for Extraterrestrial, ET's in the middle of that, Extraterrestrial Intelligence. And I thought there was a couple things in there I thought were good. They both were applicable today, which is good when you have an illustration that's actually applicable to the sermon. Did you know that? If you ever do one, make sure your illustrations make sense. But SETI, you know, they, they, I think it's always interesting because we've been talking about sometimes if you get into a conversation with an agnostic or an atheist who believes that evolution has the creative power to get mankind out, which it doesn't. We've found that out. I mean, there's plenty of books that tell us that. They, but you, you remember they eventually figured out DNA, right? And what's DNA? It's these, you know, this double helix of these four proteins that makes up that makes up life. Well, what is it? It's information. It gives us information. 
So you've got this, and it's, they're still out there. There's a United States SET, SETI, SETI, and that's what this movie is about. How would you know if somebody was sending us a message? Because uh, they, they get these big satellites, and it's just, it's just static. So how would you know? What, what, you get some information, right? Hello, I'm up here. Or something like that, right? That's what, and that's what happened in the movie. They get some information. So people look at that. I'm just saying this is duplicitous. People look at that, scientists who are, the, who are atheists, and say, if we got information, we would know there's something out there other than us. But then they look at DNA, which has all kinds of information, and they say, well, that just happened. Well, wait a minute. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. If, the, if, if information shows something out there here, doesn't it show intelligence here? That's where the whole intelligent design comes in. It's like science lines up with the Bible if you just let science speak. So maybe, maybe it's a, that's one of the things. The other one, I, I, it was a line that the, uh, his, her, her dad had died. I think she was eight or nine. Um, this Jodie Foster's the scientist here. And it's kind of a walk through this, trying to find extraterrestrial intelligence. And she had the telescopes and all that, and she's out there looking at it with a friend. And, and uh, she says, you know, is there any, he said, do you think there's any other, this was actually a pastor friend, uh, do you think there's any other life out there? She said, well, I'll just say what my dad said. What was that? Seems like a lot of wasted space. I thought that was a good line. Because you think about why all this, you know? You know, there, I think maybe two things. Maybe there's something out there. It's possible. Um, we haven't found that. Earth is very unique. Uh, it's, it's in the right spot in the universe, in a right type of galaxy, in the right part of the galaxy, in a right-sized star solar system, in the right place in sequence in the solar system, at the right tilt with the right types of heavy metals and light metals and gravity and moon to get life. It's almost like God knew what he was doing. You know, and just that enough is like, really, you think this has happened by chance? I, well, I suppose. But that's the, th you know, that's one option is this is it, but then maybe we'll populate again, or maybe he'll create again. I don't know. And that doesn't even talk about the next one that's up there is time travel. Einstein, theory of relativity, speed of light stuff, yeah, that's kind of fun. I, you know, wouldn't it be fun if you could go back in time? Where, where would you go? And do we get to just observe, or do we get to change things? Ooh. You can watch the Avengers. The Hulk has a really good idea there. I'll let if you want to hear about that. Bruce Banner about time travel, but um, those movies are kind of interesting to watch. The worldview that's in there. But I, I don't know if that's something we could, we could do. Again, these questions are out there. I hope it makes you think, wow, this is going to be cool. You know, what was, remember, probably nobody remembers, and I just barely remember, so you know, what the title of last week's sermon was? Well, let's see, something about heaven. Is heaven boring? I, I think this is showing, you're not going to be bored. It's your own fault. I mean, don't we tell our kids that? Well, I'm bored. It's like, well, it's your own fault. Go find something to do. Yeah, yeah, here's a OT tassel, yeah, <laughs> for $3 an hour, yeah, so, so, you know, we can imagine a lot, I think that's always good, we can imagine, I think it's good, Randy Elkhorn says that in his book, that 
the things we don't imagine are the things we won't uh, appreciate when they happen. And I'm like, you can disagree with him, but I think that makes sense, you know? We can imagine a lot, but then you get this Ephesians 3. It was a really good verse. As many of you probably heard it. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us. I think part of it is in our existence here, we, it's almost like we get too satisfied with the, you know, just the kind of the low-level superficial stuff. And there's so much more out there to experience. And, and you get some of that here. Uh, and I think that's good. But anything here is just a pinprick of what we can get in the future. This is what God tells us. In John 3.36, Jesus says, Whoever believes in the Son, actually this is John, this is after Jesus' information uh, that he gives to Nicodemus. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. That's kind of a first part of our chart. You know, this is a very clear verse, but the one I want to grab onto is has eternal life. If you believe in Jesus, you have eternal life. It's already started. You know, we, 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 look at the, we look at the heaven and the current and final, and we often call this the afterlife, right? After, is, is there an afterlife? That's the question. You know, maybe it's more accurate to call this life now the before life. It makes a little bit more sense. This is a preparation for what you were ultimately made to become. That's a worldview that will change the way you look at your life. Because no matter what happens, and you see this whether you're looking at a, a, at a situation like Unbroken where somebody's in a Japanese military cell for three or four years, or you see people who go through really tough times and they can't find anything else in their life that matters, you can't take this away. If this is true, that's how you get through it sometimes. That's how people get through the suffering is to realize, you know, I can't, maybe today, you know, and some people go through that. I don't see anything positive in my life right now. But if this is the before life, there's a lot positive to come. And you don't want that, what Jesus said to the, to the rulers that, that of his day that just disregarded is that he said, well, you've received your reward now. We want to receive our reward later, right? So, Tragic times and lives here have glorious potential in the new heaven. That's the dreams get fulfilled. We're all going to probably fall short of the dreams that we want because we have a finite amount of time. Paul in, in Romans 8, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That's a guy who understood eternity. I think he really did. I mean, how else do you think he went through all that stuff? You know, I, I, we, 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 we had that, we talk about, you know, during Holy Week about what Jesus went through. And, and you never want to diminish that because he was truly human. We, we, the Bible teaches that. But he was also truly divine. And for me, sometimes, and it doesn't have to be for you, sometimes somebody like Paul is more helpful for me because he's just, he's just human like I am. You know, he's human like you are. But yet when he went through these sufferings, this was enough for him. There was something the Spirit helped him. And I don't necessarily like that. Well, I mean, if I ask you today, if, I could, if God came to us and said, I will make sure that the rest of your life you don't suffer again, I think I'd take it. 
You know, if we had a sign-up sheet, would you sign, sign that? But Paul was told on the road to Damascus that I will show you what you have to suffer for my name. So he knew it was going to happen. But he considers it it's not worth comparing because he, he has a, a heaven, heavenly mindset. So let's, let's go over to Luke 6 because I think this is, I wanted to hit this because it has a heaven focus. Um, but in Luke 6, I, I don't know if you know, Luke is a... a Shortens some things and, and, and lengthens others, and, and it's not quite like John that gives a lot of new, new accounts. But if you remember, we, we actually had a whole sermon series on Matthew 5, 6, and 7 that's called the Sermon on the Mount. This second half of Luke 6 is called the Sermon on the Plain because it's very similar to the Sermon on the Mount. And, you know, today in our own congregation, in our own lives, and I'm sure in your lives, um, you don't have to raise your hand. I'll, I'll ask this more rhetorical. Is anybody praying for somebody who's sick right now? You know, it's almost hard to say, to find somebody who's not, right? Because it's part of, it, it doesn't belittle it. It makes it important. Um, is anybody praying for somebody who's lost a loved one? I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Um, and so what happens in theology, in, in doctrine, we start thinking that, well, God wants I want everybody to be healed, so maybe God does too, and we sometimes kind of get the gospel kind of upside down, and we make it about this life now and not about the life to come. Well, Jesus here, and I'll start in verse 17 here, he says, and he, Jesus, came down with them and stood on a level place. That's why they call it the Sermon on the Plain. You ever, I think what happens is Jesus gave this sermon twice. It's a little different than the Sermon on the Mount. It's, 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 it's a bridge. It's not as, as detailed. And a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon came to hear him. So that's one of the reasons they came. And to be healed of their diseases. And all those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And the crowd sought to touch him for power came out from him and healed how many? All of them. Everyone. You know, this, is, this part, we don't see this in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, it might have happened. It's just not recorded by Matthew. So you read this, and this is why people start thinking, well, Jesus healed everybody, so then we should do that too. But the next part is really helpful. Because Jesus knew these people are going to sometimes grow weak and die, even though they were healed. I mean, this is not a resurrection of them. It's just a part-time healing. It's, it's wonderful. We have a lot of, this one's more general. We have a lot of specific healings in the Bible that Jesus did and a few that the apostles did. But he keeps talking about something later. So if, if it's true that this is your best life now, then why would he give us the Beatitudes that follow? Makes no sense. Because he says, he lifted his eyes up and he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on the account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so the fathers, so their fathers did to the prophets. So 
he, he think about it. If you're, they bring somebody that's blind, and he heals them, and he says he doesn't say you got you know you were faithful, you got what you needed, now you can live your life because Jesus loves you. Blessed are you, and you're persecuted for me. Because what matters is later. I think this is such a great little piece of scripture to help us understand that. Yeah, I believe in the health and wealth gospel. I just don't believe the health and wealth gospel comes in this life. That's later. That's the way Jesus put it. And this is a very good passage to use that if people believe that. We all kind of want, I mean, if you ask if you have somebody you love that's sick, don't you want them to be healed? I do too. It's kind of back when we were talking with the kids. Sometimes they're not. And do we say, well, God doesn't love me anymore? Do we say, I must have done enough bad things for this to happen? You know, Jesus dispelled that stuff. First of all, God definitely loves us enough. That's not a problem. And he clearly told that it, it wasn't the one man who was born blind. That they asked him, who sinned, his parents or him? And he said, neither. Why did this happen? To show the glory of God. I always wondering when they got to heaven, you know, the guy who was born blind and he, he goes up and he's like, man, you know, I didn't know that, but the first 45 years of my life, I was blind and I was wondering if it was because of something I did or my parents did. And you know, the reason was so people would believe in Jesus more. For 45 years, and now I get to leave the rest of my life, my eternal life, and I don't have to worry about blindness ever again. Boy, that was worth it. I consider my present sufferings not even to compare that the glory that's been revealed, you know, that's such an interesting way. You know, God does that. Let's not put God in some sort of genie role in our lives. That's not the way this is. And that's why he gives this to people. You're hungry now. You're poor now. You weep now. People persecute you now. You suffer now because there's something greater. That's the whole idea of what this is. And right after he'd healed a bunch of people, the same people he's saying, don't, don't grab onto this as your main thing because this isn't your main thing. Helen Keller, um, you've probably heard of her both, you know, she wasn't born this way. I think it was around year one and two. She had some sort of illness and so she became blind and deaf. Uh, and she lives a life, you know, uh, you can look into her life, you know, her theology may be a little different sometimes, but she definitely knew who Jesus was. But this is one toward the end of her life she wrote this, and I, I have that up there. The word vouchsafed is not a word we use quite often. It means graciously granted. So I'm going to read that instead of the other one when I read it. But think, this is Helen Keller. And I think this has helped me because, you know, we all can get that way. It's like, well, God, it's not going the way I want. And you have to sound like Eeyore when you say that, you know. Um, and, 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 and it is tough sometimes. It's emotional. You know, you don't know, why is this working? Why is this happening? And then you see somebody, you know, it's the old ideas. I was, I was, I felt like I was suffering because I had no shoes and I met a person who had no feet. You know, this is kind of <laughs> the Helen Keller thing here. She said, for three things I thank God every day of my life. Thanks that he has graciously granted me knowledge of his works. Deep thanks that he has set in my darkness the lamp of faith. And deep, deepest thanks that I have another life to look forward to, a life joyous with light and flowers and heavenly song. You know, something in her heart. And if you meet people that are blind, if you meet people, please don't say, well, if you really were 
faithful, God would heal you. <laughs> Do you think she knew God? Do you think Joni Erickson knows God, even though she can't walk or move her arms? And do you think it would be better if she was able to walk? It really isn't up to us. She has reached so many people through her preaching because of where she's at. Uh, and I remember in one of her books, When God Weaves, this is Joni Erickson, um, yeah, every day I wake up and, you know, God, if you want to help me get out of this chair, I'll take it. But if you don't, I have the main thing, you know, and that's really all that matters. So I think many of our dreams are going to be fulfilled later. Uh, you know, the best musician may have never had a chance in this life to play. You know, and if there's all kinds of things. Maybe somebody who was going to be... The, the chemist that fears a, finds a cure for cancer or disease was, was, you know, killed by a drunk driver. I don't know. I mean, or maybe taken away before they got out of the womb. Uh, you know, you never know, right? They'll get another chance. God knows. He's in charge. He understands. If you didn't know that and you weren't listening, he has the whole world universe in his hands. So glorified people get two opportunities to live. Uh, you've heard, and this is very good, you know, when you do a funeral, you've got, you know, you get whenever you were born, and then the dash, and then whenever you died. And they always talk about the dash, you know, that's what obituaries for you, and our life is the dash. In this, in this type of way, your life is a dot, a point. And the line is what's coming after you die. You know, do, or if we're wise, we'll live for the line. Because this is where we're going to spend all our time for eternity. So do things in the, the dot that make a difference for the line. I think that, I like that. It's mathematical, but it's cool. It's, that's what we should be doing. So people in wheelchairs, people with illnesses, if you're older and you're, I think they call that over the hill. Uh, you know, here we get past our peak. And the new heaven and new earth will never pass our peak. <laughs> it just keeps going. Always more adventure, always more purpose, always more beyond. Let us pray. Father, as we look into your word to see how much and what matters to you, uh, intricacy, craftsmanship, all kinds of gifts that people are given to do things to honor you, whether it's crafting uh, things for the tabernacle or helping people cross the street or even detasseling corn. Whatever we do, we try to do it for you, but may we do it with a spirit that knows that this is not what we were created for. We created for a life that's after this one. May we look at this as the before life. May we try to do by the power of your spirit and with friends alongside to do the things that are there for the rest of our lives that comes in glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.